right, well, open up to Proverbs chapter 3, please, as we continue on. Proverbs chapter 3 has much to do with fear. And it's interesting, fear is a, is a significant topic in life today. And I'm not just talking about phobias. You have this whole list of phobias, right, that you can, you can have a phobia about just about anything that you put your mind to. Um, but just fear, and under that category, you could put anxiety and stress all kind of in the, in the one idea. Um, it's, it's a prevalent topic. There's, there's been lots written about it. There's been lots studied about it. There's been a lot of conversation about it. There's been a lot of, of, of blogging about it and videos and all those types of things. So if you just, I mean, the great thermometer of our culture is Google, right? So if you Google fear in life. I mean, it's just pages after pages of, of things like this. Ten signs fear is running your life. Fourteen ways to overcome your fears in life. Top ten fears that holds you back in life. Why fears shape so much of your life. And it just goes on and on and on about fear and life and how it's holding you back, and how to overcome it, and how to recognize it. And here's, you know, I mean, here's 72, 72 strategies to, to no longer fearing. Um, and so, of course, being aware that an inspirational saying will cure just about anything that you struggle with, I then Googled, well, okay, so give me some sayings to help overcome fear. And, I mean, you get things like Dale Carnegie saying, if you want to conquer fear, well, don't sit home and think about it. Go out and get busy. And there you go. There's your answer to fear. Um, Stacy London, who I didn't even know who that was, but apparently she's a fashion consultant. And so if you want to know how to overcome fear, then there's your, there's your source. She says, don't let fear or insecurity stop you from trying new things. Believe in yourself. Do what you love. And most importantly, be kind to others, even if you don't like them. Thank you. It's great. Uh, Marcus Aurelius, ancient Roman emperor. It is not death that a man should fear, but he should fear never beginning to live. Okay. Uh, Sarah Parrish, an actress, again, font of wisdom. Living with fear stops us taking risks, and if you don't go out on the branch, you're never going to get the best fruit. So that's how you deal with fear. Just climb out on the branch and get the fruit. Tupac says, I don't have no fear of death. My only fear is coming back reincarnated. <laughs> That's profound. And then uh, Joyce Meyer says, uh, the eagle has no fear of adversity. So we need to be like the eagle and have a fearless spirit of a conqueror. So go fly, eagles. Have no fear. But, but it's just the, the culture and, and the... The, the internet is just chock full of ideas about fear and how to overcome it. And this is, a, this is just a, a sampling of it. And they all just sort of generally run that pattern of, you know, hey, just self-empower and you can overcome your fear. And that, and that really only goes so far. But what, what we're going to find is that the Lord and Solomon speaks to us about fear, speaks to us about wisdom and fear, and he's going to share with us here five dynamics 
of wisdom and fear. Okay, five dynamics of wisdom and fear. Let's read together. Uh, I'll read you, follow along, verse 21 of chapter 3. It says this, My son, let them not vanish from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. And then you will walk in your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Now what we find in verse 21 is we actually have to go back and read the previous verses starting in verse 13. Because it's really kind of a continuation of what he had already said, what we, what we looked at uh, a couple of weeks ago. And we, and we know that even just by what he says in verse 21, my son, let them not vanish from your sight. Well, what's them? Okay, let's go back real quick. We're going to read in verse 13. It says this, how blessed is the man, note this, who finds, okay, and remember last time we talked about that, who, who comes upon and discovers wisdom. And then the man who gains understanding. Okay, so there's finding and gaining in verse 13. For, and this is why he's so blessed, her profit is better than the profit of silver and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all who hold her fast. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps were broken up and the skies drip with dew. You remember, we talked about this last time, how how Solomon is just trying to sell us on the need for wisdom. The need to find wisdom, the need to gain understanding. And so now we're going on. And in verse 21, he says, My son, let them, wisdom and understanding, not vanish from your sight, but keep sound wisdom and discretion, so they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. In verse 21 and 22, we find our first dynamic here of wisdom and fear, and and it's this, that perseverance in wisdom fortifies against fear. Perseverance in wisdom fortifies against fear. All right, we've just come from verse 13 where where Solomon says, how blessed is the man who finds wisdom and who gains understanding. And now he's saying, don't just find it. Don't just gain it, but but persevere in it. He says, my son, let them not vanish from your sight. Keep them, guard them, hold them, keep them secure. The man is blessed who's found it, but you have to keep them and not let them vanish from your sight. This notion of it's before your eyes and then it all just sort of wanders away. And your eyes wander and wisdom wanders, your eyes wander from wisdom and and you, and you lose it. So it begs a question then of, of what are you fixing your gaze on as a regular pattern in life? 
You must, you must keep wisdom before your eyes. Don't, don't let it vanish from your sight. Okay, if it's before your eyes, to vanish from your sight, you have to turn away from it. And then it's gone. And Solomon is saying, don't turn away from wisdom and let it vanish from your sight. Don't turn away from understanding and let it vanish from your sight, but fix your gaze on it. And then he says, keep, guard, watch sound wisdom and discretion. Remember what I said in verse 13, blessed is the man who finds it. And now he's saying, keep it. Keep it before your eyes and put a lockbox around it to make sure that you stay on track with it and you don't lose it and you don't let it go. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. A lot of synonyms and piling up here. The, the notion of being able to make and carry out decisions that honor the Lord in any case of life. Keep that concept, keep that information, guard that ability, and keep it before your eyes and walk with it fixed before your eyes so that you don't lose sight of it and, you don't, and it doesn't vanish from your sight. And that's what he's saying. You've got, to, you've got to keep it before your eyes and you've got to guard these things so that they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. This is similar to what we've talked about a, a few weeks back the, the beautifying effect of wisdom. This is both an internal and an external thing. Uh, and again, in Hebrew, in Hebrew poetry, when something is coupled together like this, then there's some sort of similar concept um, or there's an opposite kind of concept that uh, the author's trying to present. And so here he's saying, look, your soul and your, your neck as the representative of your external person, your soul and your neck are vitalized and beautified and, and made attractive and effective by keeping wisdom and understanding before your eyes and guarding those things and not letting them slip away. Okay. Now, when he says soul here, a lot of the times we kind of think, okay, this is, this is like the, the disembodied spirit part of me. Now there's, there's, you know, somebody dies and oh, there goes the soul floating off. It's the disembodied spirit. It's, it's not really that concept, okay, in, in the Old Testament soul. The soul really just sort of refers to yourself as a person, specifically looking at a lot of the intangibles, uh, you know, the, the unphysical aspects, but it's, it's your personhood, it's your, it's your desires, it's your passions, it's your will, it's your affections, okay? And so wisdom and understanding, when you keep them before your eyes and then you guard sound wisdom and discretion, they will be life to your soul. They will, they will bring vitality to your soul. Walke says this about the idea of life. In the majority of Proverbs... It says that life in the majority of Proverbs texts refers to abundant life in fellowship with God. Okay, so it's not necessarily referring to uh, salvation of, your, of your, your, your spirit, okay, of your eternal being. I think since it's in parallel here with adornment to your neck, which is the idea of taking a, a necklace or a chain of, of beauty and of, of status and of uh, of charm, 
Okay, so there's this beautifying of your exterior. Then there's also this vitalizing and beautifying of your interior, which is what wisdom does to you as a person. If you keep it and you guard it and you walk in it and persevere in it, then it makes you as a person more holistically attractive, not in like the physical beauty sense, but in the, in the, in the personhood sense. And so as it does that, wisdom then fortifies you against fear that we're going to encounter here in the second dynamic. Okay, so he's saying to his son, let them not vanish from your sight, but keep them, and they're going to fortify you and beautify you. And then, as you're keeping them, then this second dynamic is that wisdom protects your active life from fear. So as you're keeping them, as you're walking in them and keeping your gaze fixed on them, you will walk in your way securely. And your foot will not stumble. This is, this is just a word picture. Okay, God is, Solomon is not telling his son, look, if you're wise, you're never going to kick a stone and trip and fall. But it's a, it's a picture of life. As you walk, as you go about your daily living, as you go about the course of events, as you go to work for us, as you, as you come home from work, as you go to the grocery store, as you make decisions, as you encounter various circumstances, as you deal with your neighbor, as you deal with your family, whatever the case is, as you walk... If you don't let wisdom and understanding vanish from your sight by turning away from them, if you don't let that happen, if you keep sound wisdom and discretion and allow that, that vitalizing and beautifying impact, then you will walk in your way. You will go about the daily course of your life securely. Okay, You will be able to walk safely knowing that you can trust the way that you're walking, knowing that you are being uh, guarded in the way that you are walking, and you will be able to walk securely and your foot will not stumble. Again, it's a word picture. You're not going to challenge the Proverbs by walking out and, and trying, to, trying to take a curb without lifting your foot. You will stumble. Okay? But in life, in the course of life, in your decisions, in, in your relationships, in what you are doing, and in your responses and in your perspectives... You will not stumble in life if you keep your gaze fixed on wisdom and understanding. And if you guard closely the sound wisdom and discretion that God offers. The, the word picture here is of what I was talking about. You're walking along the way and um, you, you, you kick a stone and you stumble and fall. Okay? That word picture there Pull that into life, and if you're heeding and walking in wisdom, then that will not happen to you. And you don't have to fear the course of your daily life if you are walking in wisdom. Okay, this is the active life. This is your, your, your activities in your neighborhood, in your work, in your school, in your home. As you walk, you will walk securely, and your foot will not stumble. Think of... Um, I mean, we've already drawn so much parallel between wisdom and God's word. Think of what Psalm 119, verse 105 says. Your word 
is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, right? It's the same word picture. It's this notion of us walking along the course of events, and there's this, the proverbial path of life ahead of us, and, and then there's the shine from his word and from his wisdom. And if we're walking in that, we're not going to be blind and kick the stone and stumble and fall. But a lamp, wisdom, doesn't do you any good if you hold it behind you and then you walk forward. You're walking in darkness anyway, and you're going to kick the rock and you're going to fall. And so Solomon's telling his son, don't let it vanish. Keep it. Guard it. Fix your eyes on it. And then you're walking your way securely and your foot will not stumble. What are some of the things that could cause us to stumble in life? Temptation. Right? But if you're walking in wisdom, then you're going to know how to deal with temptation. Decisions. Decisions can, can cause you to stumble. Decisions can cause you to be, to be bound up in this, in this indecisive, paralyzed kind of fear. And yet, if you're walking in wisdom, then you won't stumble in those things. Circumstances of life, as they arise, as you walk in wisdom with your eyes fixed on, on God's wisdom and understanding, then you won't stumble in those things. But it's not just your active life that wisdom protects. It's our rest life. Here, look at verse 24. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Okay? This is, this is addressing the spirit and the mind aspect of sleep. Okay, doesn't mean be wise and chronic pain is not going to keep you up at night or disease or those types of things. But this is the battle of fear and wisdom for your mind. Okay, and I know there are times in my life and I know there are times in all of our lives where sweet sleep sounds really nice. And seems like a foreign concept. I mean, people pay buco bucks for sweet sleep. They do sleep studies to figure out why their minds are so crazy and restless and why anxiety continues to plague their sleep and, you know, this, that, and the other. Pills, meditation, there are, there are options before you of ways to address and to seek to gain sweet sleep. And Solomon here is saying, if you do not let wisdom and understanding vanish from your sight, but if you guard and keep sound wisdom and discretion and let them have their effect on you, then when you lie down, you will not be afraid. And when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. It's not saying that circumstances are going to change. It's not saying that things won't, won't be difficult or that things won't, won't come up that, that seem insurmountable, but as you walk in wisdom, then you will be able to lay your head on your pillow at night, and we're going to get to this later, but you're going to be able to rest in the confidence that wisdom and the Lord give you. And you're going to be able to say, I'm basically going to check that circumstance at the door and go to sleep. 
Because I've been keeping wisdom in the forefront of my mind and I've been walking in that. And as we're going to get to, I know then where my confidence is from as I do that. And that leads to a lack of fear and a sweetness of sleep in that. Let's, let's, look at a, let's look at a couple of biblical examples here, okay? Sometimes we think that our circumstances, you know, oh, oh come on, Aaron, you don't understand the difficulty of what I'm going through. But I want to give you a couple of examples here. Someone who, who slept, uh, look, look over at uh, Psalm 3 with me, please. Someone who slept in the midst of a time when mm, fear could very easily have kept him up at night. Psalm chapter 3. The headings are important, not the, not the ones in italics necessarily, but the ones that, uh, that come from the Hebrew text. And it says this, a psalm of David, okay, that's helpful, when he fled from Absalom, his son. Uh, so if you remember contextually, Absalom led a revolt against David and succeeded in driving him out of Jerusalem. So his kingdom is in an uproar. His beloved son, who David loved so much that even after the revolt, he was, he was seeking to protect him and to keep him from being killed, even as a, as a, as a, as a, a traitor to the crown. And so that, that pain of that betrayal, I mean, think about that. You're losing, potentially losing your kingdom. You've been driven out of your city that you built your own son has betrayed you and is chasing you to try to kill you. And here's what David says. Oh, Lord, how my adversaries have increased. It's not a softening of circumstances. Many are rising against me. It's getting worse. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. That's one perspective, Selah. But you, oh, Lord, are a shield about me. My glory and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain. Selah. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have smitten all my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. There is a man who said, circumstances are hard. I have every reason to fear. My life is in danger. My, my crown is being taken. My son is betraying me. The armies are chasing after me. The people have betrayed me and are all up in arms against me. And yet I lay down and I slept. Because he knew where his confidence came from. He knew where salvation came from. He walked in wisdom of the ability in the midst of that circumstance to make the God-honoring choice of responding in a way that reflects the knowledge of God. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so as you know God and his character, then that informs your wisdom and you can respond according to the fear of God. And David said, I fear God. So all of this, this craziness and revolt and danger over here, 
I know how to respond to that. I can lay down and sleep. And that's, that's what Solomon is saying to his son. Let's look at another example here of um, not having to fear, not only not having to fear when you lie down, but actually having sweet sleep in the midst of difficulty. Look over at Acts chapter 12. Poor Peter, in the midst of the, the early church, has kind of had a rough go of it, and he's had a number of imprisonments. And then the church begins to be persecuted at an even more intense level. In Acts chapter 12, it says this, Now about that time, Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. Uh, mistreat is probably a little bit of a soft word. Okay, this is, this is, this is not pleasant. This is persecution that Herod is bringing upon the church. In fact, he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. That's one way to mistreat someone. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. And I'm sure Peter was thinking, oh, man, that's great. I'm sure he's just going to invite me and we're going to have a little chit-chat and then he's going to let me go. No, he just killed a couple of people and he's arresting Peter because he's like, hey, that made the Jews happy. Let's keep it coming. Now, it was during the days of unleavened bread, and so when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people, most likely to kill him. So Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God on the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, okay? Deaths, deaths, deaths. You're arrested. You're going to be in prison. I'm going to bring you out before the people tomorrow. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and guards in front of the door watching over the prison. And he said, he's out. He's asleep. It's the same spirit that led Paul to sing hymns while he's in stocks in prison. Because he knows the fear of the Lord and he knows how to respond to those things. And so Peter says, hey, I'm facing imminent death. Some of my closest friends and compatriots have been killed. I'm in prison. I'm surrounded by squads of soldiers. I'm chained to two guards. Great time for some good sleep. <laughs> I mean, to me, that's flabbergasting. Considering some of the things that have a tendency to keep me up at night. And it's a rebuke to me to think, well, why, why is my sleep not sweet in those times? Why am I fearful in those times in such a way that, that it, it's, it's not following the pattern of a guy like Peter or a guy like David who, who walked in the fear of the Lord and wisdom in such a way that he could sleep in that kind of a circumstance? But when... Let's go back to Proverbs. When you fix your eyes on those things and keep them before you, then when you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. The fourth dynamic here is that wisdom preserves you from fear of judgment. He, after these things, he says... Do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. These are, these are interesting and kind of difficult phrases, okay? But I think what's helpful is if we look back in 
chapter 1, go back in chapter 1 to me, verse 27, uh, 26. Wisdom here is speaking to the fool who refuses wisdom. And we see some of the same terminology that I think informs how we understand what we just read. So chapter 1, verse 26 says this. I will also, this is wisdom, speaking to the fool who refused her. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes. That's the same word as, um, as do not be afraid of sudden fear. Okay? I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes. When your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind when anguish and distress come upon you. So keep in mind, Solomon's been saying this to his son just a couple chapters ago. And right now he's saying, son, if you keep wisdom before your eyes and you don't let them vanish from your sight, then you know what? You don't have to be afraid of sudden distress and sudden fear. You don't have to be afraid of the onslaught of the wicked. The, uh, the New English translation um, and, the, and the NIV both t- take the, the, the Hebrew construction a little bit differently. And I think it's maybe a little bit more accurate for what we're dealing with. Where they, they say, you will not be afraid of sudden disaster or when destruction overtakes the wicked. Because see, the, the onslaught of the wicked could be the, wicked, the onslaught that the wicked bring upon people or the onslaught that comes upon the wicked. And I think, especially based on chapter 1 there, and how wisdom promises those sorts of fears and calamities to the person who refuses to heed wisdom, then what Solomon is saying is, son, if you are walking in wisdom, you don't have to fear that. That's promise for the fool who rejects wisdom. This sudden destruction and this sudden calamity and this sudden distress and terror. That's promise for the fool who says no to wisdom. But if you keep, if you guard, if you fix your gaze on wisdom and understanding, you don't have to fear those things. And so wisdom prevents you from fear of judgment. And lastly, it, it also produces assurance against fear. And here's where the assurance comes from. It says, for, Solomon says, don't be afraid of sudden fear. Don't be afraid of the onslaught of the wicked, of the, 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 the wicked's destruction when it comes. You don't need to fear that judgment, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Fixing your gaze on wisdom, keeping understanding before your eyes brings your soul and your life in such a point that you can rest in the assurance of the confidence of the Lord when fear comes against you. The Lord will be your confidence. The Lord will literally be by your side. He will be your companion, the one that you lean on, depend on, trust in. And it's so interesting that he says, hey, don't let wisdom vanish. Don't let understanding vanish, but keep them and guard them. And then he says, he doesn't say, for your wisdom will be your confidence. He doesn't say that your amazing understanding will be your confidence. 
He says, keep these things, walk in them, keep your eyes fixed on them, guard them, and God will be your confidence because wisdom and understanding are grounded in the fear of the Lord. And so an understanding of the character of God then infuses whatever situation you are in in such a way that you don't have to, you, you can be confident in God's character and in, and in the wisdom that he's presented you can be confident in who he is in those circumstances that he will not let your foot be caught. Again, there's more word, word pictures. It's the idea of, of a snare, of a, of, a, of a trap for a bird or a trap for an animal. And you're walking along in life and you step in the trap and it goes around your leg and you're yanked upside down and the hunter has snagged you. Walking in wisdom, which is grounded in the fear of God, the Lord will keep that from happening. And temptation won't overcome you. You will have no fear of judgment that comes upon the fool because you're not being a fool. Circumstances won't be able to discombobulate you and bring you to fear in such a way as it is prone to do because you are walking in the fear of the Lord and He is your confidence in those circumstances. We can look over in Psalm chapter 91 for another example of this. Psalm chapter 91 or Psalm 91 the first few verses of it says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for it is He who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He, he will cover you with His pinions. And under His wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark you will not be afraid of the terror, there's that word again, of the terror by night or of the arrow that flies by day, of the pestilence that stalks in darkness or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. He says you will not be afraid of those things because you've taken shelter in the Lord, because you're walking in wisdom that is fueled and founded upon the, the knowledge and the fear of God. So Solomon is encouraging his son about the blessings of the man who finds and gains wisdom and understanding. And now he's exhorting him and he's exhorting us to not just find it and not just gain it, but to keep it before your eyes. See, he makes the point that that one time is not enough. This is a daily Process a daily pursuit, a daily renewal. One commentator says, walking in wisdom today does not ensure we will pursue wisdom tomorrow. Every day we must embrace wisdom afresh. At every turn we must pursue her ways. We must keep wisdom before our eyes and guard sound wisdom and, uh, and, and discretion 
And if you do those, you'll discover power over fear in your life. Not power that you have somehow arrived at, but power based upon the one before whom you are living and whom you are following. And in that is freedom from fear. Is the confidence that your way will be lit and that your sleep will be sweet and that judgment doesn't have to frighten you because you know that's not for the one who in the fear of the Lord walks in wisdom. That's for the fool who rejects it. So what if fear or anxiety or stress, what if those are currently part of your life? then that would suggest that there's some time of self-reflection that could be had to see where, where in these five elements here, where am I lacking or where am I falling short or where, where am I not adhering? Okay, here's some questions for self-reflection when it comes to those times of experiencing fear and, and ways to even think it through to be able then to combat it. But first you got to consider your, your pursuit of wisdom, okay? And so you have to keep in mind here Proverbs' definition of wisdom as well. And it's the ability to make God-honoring decisions about life, morality, ethics in any situation, okay? The fear of the Lord, the knowledge and awe and fear of who he is informs then our choices in such ways that we make decisions and directions uh, that, that honor the Lord, and honestly, that can cause you to take a hit sometimes in certain ways. But even taking a hit in some of those ways, your perspective and your attitude is biblically informed and adjusted. You may, you may lose a job. You may lose a bonus. You may lose a friend. You may, I don't know, there could be hits in those ways of walking in wisdom and in the fear of the Lord. And yet in those times then, your perspective and your attitude is biblically informed and adjusted. But when those times of fear or anxiety and stress may become upon you, here's some questions for self-reflection, okay? First is, are you seeking wisdom? Or are you just sort of getting, getting hit out of the left field by fear and anxiety? And you're wondering, where's my response? Well, first, are you seeking wisdom? That was, that was even in the beginning of Proverbs, is, is the exhortation to seek it like, like, like treasure, like gold, like the finest treasure. And then if you are seeking it, are you finding it? Okay, and then from where are you finding it? Because again, wisdom in Proverbs is grounded in the fear of the Lord, which means that that wisdom must come from God and be of God. Not Google. But see, if you're finding your wisdom in 10 ways to overcome fear from Google, then you know what? You're falling short of Solomon's prescription here. And it's no surprise then that you encounter fear in your sleep or anxiety in your sleep or in your life. But then when you find it, what do you do with it? Do you persevere with it? Or you just sort of say, hey, that was a sweet nugget, and then, and then you turn away from it and keep on walking, and, and, and that nugget of wisdom is just left there on the ground behind you. Does you no good. You have to keep it before your eyes. 
You have to seek it, you have to find it, and then you have to walk in it. You have to persevere in that wisdom. You have to persevere in the choice to honor the Lord because of your fear of him. That's wisdom. And then as you walk in it, do you remember where your confidence lies? That the Lord is the confidence of this person. See, fear or insecurity in life, both daily and nightly, by day or by night, would indicate that there's room for growth in one of these areas, according to Solomon. And his words sound appealing to me. I hope, I hope they sound appealing to you in the sense of giving you hope. If you struggle with fear, then his words should encourage you. They shouldn't beat you down. It shouldn't say you're failing, you're failing. It should say, look at what is before you. Look at what is available to you. If you're wrestling with anxiety in life, fear as you put your head on your pillow, then you don't have to be stuck in it. Solomon has laid out a path for you to walk in. Wisdom beckons you to follow and find relief. God invites you to heed him and to experience the security of his presence at your side. But that can only be found in the fear of the Lord and the relationship with him, which is not found on Google, which is not found in your own thinking. It's found in Christ and his death and his resurrection and placing your faith in him and repenting of your sins and then seeking to live before God in that relationship there. And so if you don't have that relationship with Christ, then you should expect lots of insurmountable fear. Because wisdom comes from Christ in a relationship with God that gives you the fear of the Lord that then you can walk in wisdom. And so without Christ, you cannot do this. But in Christ, as you walk in the fear of the Lord and keep those things before your eyes, then, I mean, folks, a, da a daily walk where you won't stumble, a sleep where you won't fear and it will be sweet, uh, a nullifying of that fear of judgment, I mean, that, that's amazing. That is such a grace of God to give to his people. So I can't encourage you enough to, to walk in it. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm rebuked as I'm thinking about this and what Dr. Ware spoke of this morning and, and closed it by basically saying, if, if, if wisdom is the fear of the Lord and this is God-breathed out words of who God is and how he works, then, then we, need to be, we need to be digesting this. We need to be internalizing it. We need to be walking in it for those reasons and what a, what a blessed result that will be.